cul-de-sac contemplating murder. Swerving with my circus, looking for a purpose. Still clean record hope got Hey, welcome back, Cantiners, to episode 66 of Culper's Canteen Cup. A special shout-out to Carlton Zeus for that intro music. You know, this time, unfortunately, Josh has really good sound, so now you're actually going to have to hear all the stupid stuff he has to say in this episode. But he's got a really (laughs) sweet-looking setup there. It looks real good. He sounds even better, and uh, we're looking forward to hearing that. So now I have to get myself a... A studio set up like these guys. Now I'm going to sound bad. And this this episode, I think we're just going to talk about whatever Josh wants to talk about, um, since he's the one with the good sound. So I'll just kick it over to him and just get us started, man. I mean, there's not. It's kind of a slow news cycle. Not much has happened since we recorded last. So, so hook us up, man. What's up? Yeah, thanks. Uh, yeah, dude. There's been nothing in the news. It's been super quiet. Uh, haven't really heard a lot out of uh, out of DC. Uh, you know, work has been just dead, just quiet. Nobody's you know nobody's doing anything. We're kind of it's like the uh, it's like when the wind and the weather gets really still right before a hurricane. You know, one's coming. Um, all right, everybody who just listened to that, you guys know that's bullshit. Uh, we always have something to say here on the cup, and uh, I ain't gonna lie, man. This. Uh, you know, the, these last couple of weeks, uh, you know, the last recording we did was uh, you guys caught the, uh, you know, we sat down with Isaac Hayes, uh, the Cajun conservative. want to give uh, Isaac a quick shout out. Thanks for coming on. We appreciate it. And uh, you maybe you guys will hear us on uh, on his podcast here here soon. Um, other than that, dude, it just, you know, Afghanistan, 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 Afghanistan. I can't. I, you know, Luke and I talked about it and, you know, except from the cop and then the, you know, the other the, the episode, you know, I think it was like 62 where we talked about Afghanistan. Um, both of those Roger, Roger bailed on us. So at least Roger's here for this one. That's, uh, that's good. He's like, uh, he's like that dad that's always absent and never there. Um, you know, we don't, we just don't know what to do. And, uh, you know, we're going to act out later in life because, uh, you know, we missed a few hugs from him. <laughs> so I don't know, man. I, so I have, a, I, have, I have a lot to say on Afghanistan still because, you know, Luke and I did, uh, you know, that set from the cup, the fall of Kabul. And at that point, I was like, okay, like, you know, both of us were like, this is a Greek tragedy. It can't get worse. And then, like, literally by the hour, it got worse. And it continues to get worse. Um, you know, even, even as of this recording, it, you know, it was, so I, I sat down, I tried to put some notes together and I was like, okay, you know how, like, but I just, it, it was so hard because there's so much information out there on, you know, what's going on and, you know, you get it, a lot of it's conflicting and what's this and what's that. And I, I, I think part of the, you know, the media's, uh, plan is to just pump so much information out there that you just get to the point where you don't know which is right, which is wrong. So you just ignore it and just go on about your day. Um, but you know, uh, today I brought some receipts with me and, uh, and we're going to talk about that shit. So I just, you know, I, again, like the emotions on Afghanistan, bewildering, demoralizing, pick your adjective. I can't, I, I just, I can't believe it was this way because it didn't have to be this way. It truly did. And I'm going to talk for a few minutes uh, and then I'll, uh, I'll throw it over to Roger. 
I really want to get, you know, set in with this, uh, with this new mic and, uh, setup that I, that I got going on. Uh, so you know what we, it, it didn't have to be this way yet. We allowed it to be this way. And by we, I mean the United States. Um, and if you believe it, 81 million people allowed it to be this way, you know, we allowed this guy into office because a bunch of people hated the other guy because he made him feel sad inside with his tweets. So they voted for this, you know, this, this guy who sat in his basement for the entire campaign, didn't do anything. He's had zero accomplishment in 47 years in office. He was a Senator during the fall of Saigon. He was vice president in Benghazi when an ambassador and three others got killed. And now he's the president of the fall of Kabul and the Neo where 13, Americans got killed, and who knows how many others. Because why? Because we left Americans behind. We left Americans behind. That just bought, absolutely bought my mind. I'll get in that to a little later. But everybody who voted for Biden, just so you know, you have blood on your hands just like Biden does. You are, you are absolutely 100% just as responsible for this uh, because you didn't, vote for, you, know, you didn't vote for Biden because of his policies. You voted because you didn't like the other guy. I can assure you this would not have happened under the other guy. You know, I, you know. These are the people who I don't even understand why we give these people a platform. They're upset when you call them by the wrong gender. They break down. They have to have safe spaces. They have to have. They have to live in a plastic bubble where you can't hurt their feelings. And I can't wait for life to punch them in the face. And w- what I'm going to say right now is very unchristian to me. My grandmothers would be very upset with me if they were still alive. But we owe these people nothing. They're nothing. They're garbage. They're trash, all of them. They're the worst that mankind has to offer. And we should never, ever, ever allow them any like a platform. We owe them nothing but our ire and contempt. That's it. That's all we owe them. As far as Af- you know, Afghanistan, actually, what, you know, what we're seeing, we're seeing the manifestation of elected officials and those they appointed. You know, we're seeing these plans come to fruition by people who are more focused on, you know, critical race theory, more focused on understanding their white rage, generals who are more, you know, concerned with gender pronouns and and being under, you know, being being soft. Um, And, you know, you're seeing a CIA director and the, you know, a. The former Secretary of Defense, Bob Gates, for both Bush and Obama, you're seeing what he said ring true about Biden. Biden has been wrong in every major national foreign foreign policy and security issue for the last four decades. And people didn't pay attention to that. People were like, oh, he just doesn't, you know, he doesn't like Biden. He's a, you know, he's a Republican. Well, he served for Obama, too, and Obama even liked him. So there's a lot of information out there to talk about. So I just broke it down into a couple of topics. So I'll start with the real quick. I'll throw out a couple of comments on the closing of Bagram and then I'll kick it over to Roger and get his thoughts on, uh, on, you know, Bagram Bagram closing down. Bagram has to be one of the worst military decisions since general Meade decided not to take cemetery Hill at Gettysburg. That, I mean, it is absolutely mind boggling. Why we, why we shut that place down. It was open for 20 years for a reason. We didn't run combat operations out of, Hamid Karzai International Airport for a reason. We didn't do it. Why? Because it's in the middle of a city of 4 million people surrounded on all sides by mountains. Here's a reason why we didn't do that. So why in the hell would we shut Bagram down right before we start a non-combatant evacuation operation? That's absolutely mind-boggling. 
multiple runways at Bagram, one runway at HKIA. Absolutely insane. And then we get into the blame game, right? So on June 23rd, Mark Milley, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, who's still busy trying to understand his white rage, along with Lloyd Austin, the Secretary of Defense, who, meanwhile, he was also the central command commander when the ISIS uh, intel assessment came out that was like, these guys really aren't that they're they're not that big of a deal. They're the junior varsity team, is uh, is how Obama put them. Uh, that was we we found that out to absolutely not be true. So they gave a uh, they gave a press briefing and quote Bagram is not necessarily tactically or operational, but for what we are going to try to do here in Afghanistan, consolidation on Kabul and in defense of their government is our priority. Right now, Milley turns around and specifically says, and I quote. Our task given to us at the time was to protect the embassy. Our task given to us at the time. All right. For those who don't understand how, uh, you know, how the chain of command works, when you're talking about the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff and the Secretary of Defense, there's only one person in the chain of command that can give the Secretary of Defense orders for the military. I'll give you three guesses and two of those don't count. You know who that is, boys and girls? That's the commander-in-chief. So for Joe Biden to turn around and say, no, it was a military decision to close Bagram. No, it wasn't, high speed. It was your decision. Your chairman and your secretary of defense just said so. They threw you under the bus without throwing you under the bus. So... I don't know. There's, you know, there's a couple other things when you start running through the timeline and some more information's come out, you know, on, uh, on kind of who, what, who knew what, when, um, and everything, Roger. So i uh, get your, uh, get your take on, uh, kind of on the closing of Bagram. And then also, you know, if you could kind of speak to the, you know, we didn't know that, you know, Kabul was going to fall this fast. We didn't know that the Afghan national army and that the, you know, the, the, the government of Afghanistan was going to capitulate as quick they did. And, uh, you know, that's, you know, especially it's come to light with the, uh, the transcript of the phone call between Biden and Ghani on uh, the 23rd of July. Well, I think when you look at the whole scenario, uh, and I don't care if it's Republican, Democrat, I don't care who would have been there. Uh, it just wasn't handled right. It was poorly managed, poorly executed, piss poor plan, uh, and, and you go top to bottom with every single decision that was being made. Before I get into all that, the first thing I want to address, because you see this on the right and you see it on the left. Everybody talks about Trump. Now, I was a Trump guy, you know, voted for him. Uh, I think these guys voted for Trump as well. So, you know, generally lean to the right, support his policies. I don't care what Trump's plan was as of January 20th. I don't care what deal he made as of January 20th. Because Joe Biden was the president as of January 20th. So he overturned every other single policy that Trump had. So why wouldn't you overturn that one if you didn't like it? Right? Because I think the initial, you know, withdrawal date was supposed to be May. And, and people can go down the rabbit hole. You can say, okay, well, you know, uh, Trump had phase lines in there, right? Uh, where, you know, if, if the Taliban met this, you know, these certain criteria, we would continue to withdraw. And, this, and maybe that would have happened. Maybe it wouldn't have. Who knows? I don't know. Uh, maybe, maybe Trump would have gone down the same path as Joe Biden. Maybe he wouldn't have. Uh, what I do know is, uh, you know, what happened right before the... Uh, you know, the deal with the Taliban, Soleimani got schwacked. Uh, and what I can tell you is I think that does allow you to negotiate from a 
place of power, right? A place of strength as opposed to weakness. But how the rest of that turns out, I don't know. And it really doesn't matter. I really don't care because as of January 20th, it was Joe Biden's plan. Uh, when they talk about the civ applications and this and that, like, well, Trump's, you know, administration. Okay, yeah, I got it. I got it. You became president January 20th. You had plenty of time. And then they came up and said, well, you know, COVID shut down the embassy. So, you know, the civ thing and, you know, we really couldn't really get back up and recover. Hey, man, we're, you know, this is like August now, September, right? You knew, I mean, that had to be one of your biggest priorities, understanding COVID and this and that, but it had to be one of your biggest priorities. Like, hey, man, are we really going to, because here's the deal. Guess what? Barry wanted to withdraw, right? Trump wanted to withdraw. I mean, you just, they knew that you couldn't do it 100%. They both understood that. I think, and we can have that argument here because again, it's the news cycle conflating because the left and the right does it as well. Uh, The left is trying to conflate two different issues to gain support for Biden's actions. It's not whether we should have withdrawn or not. I think everybody wanted to withdraw. It's just like, but how do you do it? Going back to the one thing that Bush said, you know, that was right is like, hey man, you break it, you own it. It's your job to put it back together. You have to leave it better than what you found it. And the, you know, even with Barry and, and Trump, they, they both understood that. Biden should have understood that. Uh, and now you're starting to see, and I'm glad you brought up what you did, Josh, because it's those little tight, you know, it's those little nuances, man, that, that get thrown out there where you're starting to realize that, okay, uh, this wasn't a failure in the intelligence. Because I will tell you this, all right? Any one of us, and we've all been there multiple times, whatever, anybody who has stepped one foot into that theater, we knew it was going to happen. I think we've been calling it on this episode. We've done like three Afghan episodes now, even one way back. I mean, there was no doubt in my mind that once we left and you pull out your your cast, uh, that's what's going to happen. I mean, they've been fighting for eons. Uh, And anybody who's ever been over there, there was no way an intelligence estimate came out that said, oh, they can go two years. They can go a year. They can go six months. And even when Milley came out, he's like, well, you know, we received a bunch of estimates from weeks to months to, to years. Nothing in 11 days, though. Oh, so you went ahead and just went with the years. You didn't bother. Well, what happened was they informed Biden, hey, this is probably what's going to happen, as we've seen in, in, in the leak that you're going to talk about. And Biden was like, I don't care. I'm going to do it this way anyway. And I don't have a problem with the complete withdrawal and all that other stuff. My major issue with it all is that you left Americans behind. And I don't care how you slice it. That is the wrong way. Man, it, it, it is, it is mind-boggling to me, and it really, really pisses me off that people that we know, and, and you're starting to see the percentages, you know, kind of, you know, uh, congregate to one side of this issue now, but people are trying to justify it. They're trying to justify it. We left Americans and they're like, well, you know, no Americans were turned away. Well, you know what? There was a report that came out yesterday that says a bus of 400 Americans were turned away at the gate. Oh, and by the way, you know the school in Southern California that sent their kids on the, on the field trip? Last I checked, and I think it was today, there's like 28 kids still left out there. Americans were turned away. They were stranded. That's what bothers me with the whole thing. You know, if you wanted to leave and you left the, you know, I don't, I don't get into all the equipment and all that other stuff, you know, it pisses you off. But obviously those that have been there, you got a little bit more experience. You know, there's a lot more to the backstory and all that stuff. But of everything to leave, the most important thing they left was the Americans. They left them behind. And the media, I mean, the, obviously the right wing media is starting to cover it and they're, they're beating down on it. 
you started to see the left covered a little bit, but now they've kind of gone back to, you know, supporting Biden, you know, yeah, they're calling just short of, of a hero. Well, now we're onto the withdrawal thing, right? Well, we're, Hey man, there's still Americans over there. I got on and, and here's, you know, I, I, tangents, right? May not, may not. I was on uh, Facebook last night and, and some guy was in the, one of our bourbon groups and he was in uniform. It's like, Hey, toast to, you know, 20 years and all those veterans that fought and da, 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 whatever. Okay. Hey, I get it, man. I'm glad service members are back and, 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 you know, God bless the 13, uh, that were killed. The job's not done. Now was not the time to fucking toast. Okay. Cause the last time I checked, we still have Americans that are stranded, right? Jen Psaki, they're stranded, uh, in Afghanistan. Oh, well now it's a department of state effort. Where's that embassy at over in Afghanistan now? Oh yeah, that's right. We don't have one. So now what's the plan to get them back? And I tell you, the, the news media is not covering it. I mean, we knew this anyway, right? And we, I thought, you know, silly me, it's loosing the football. Hey, uh, when this first kicked off, CNN, even that, they were, they were kicking Joe in the nuts. But now you just kind of forgot about it. And I pull up, you know, today's news on, I've got it sitting here in front of me, Apple News. And, you know, they, if you haven't used it, they had the Today, they, they show you the 13 top, you know, uh, you know uh, articles in the news cycle. Uh, we'll get to this, but the first one's about the Texas abortion, um, Taliban's promises of, tal- uh, of tolerance. Okay, that's one article by the Wall Street Journal. And then it talks about Elijah McClain, uh, Purdue's bankruptcy, uh, the corridor fire, high-tech world of mental health. Uh, we get into six more about the Dolphins Alert Rescue. This is why your alley workers aren't coming back. Dude, it's gone, man. That news cycle has passed that because let me ask you this, and I understand, you know, Afghanistan should have taken the priority and should continue to take the priority right now, but whatever happened to Cuba? Did we not call that? Missed opportunity, right? Just gone. Dude, we haven't heard Cuba in weeks. And I understand why. I understand why. Uh, but this is going to become just like anything else. So just blow over it. Joe Biden will get up there and I'll get into more of it later, but he'll get up there and he'll continue to lie. Uh, and, and that's my problem. It's like, we're not even talking about twisting words or, Hey, it's your perspective or your perception or that you straight out lied. I mean, the guy got up there, said that Al Qaeda is gone. Okay. There is no two ways to cut that. He, there is no more Al Qaeda in Afghanistan. Last time I checked, there was still Al Qaeda in Afghanistan. No Americans getting beat. Uh, last time I checked, there were American getting beat. Uh, Americans getting beat. No impediment getting to the airport. Last time I checked, buses and hundreds of Americans were turned away uh, from the airport, and that's just from like last week's news cycle. I mean, every time the guy gets up there, and you'll notice this when you watch him, it's all about the amount of evacuations and the withdrawal. It doesn't go back to how it was done. How in anybody's world do you give up Bagram Air Base? Uh, to go defend a civilian airport in the middle of four and a half million people? My 18-year-old boy, 19-year-old boy would, would have picked it. That's kind of dumb. Let's not do that. I mean, dude, it's just, it's, it's, not, it's like you're almost trying to have this fail. You're almost trying to get people killed. And I tell you, you know, before I turn it over to Luke, I, I don't want to go too far on this because... When I heard uh, Megan McCain come out and she gave her little thing today, this is not the man that I know. Bullshit. That dude has 48 years in office. You have 48 years of past performance with Joe Biden. How many times as a senator did he vote to continue to keep troops in Afghanistan? 
Okay, and you can even go by now. I haven't fact-checked this yet. Back to the Saigon piece, right? Uh, the same guy that voted not to go kill UBL. You've got 48 years of past performance. What in the world in his last four, almost five decades thought that you would turn out any different? What would make you think that a different scenario would turn out? We've lost two embassies in the last three, uh, last three presidencies, right? And, I mean, who's the common denominator? It kills me. I know, I know I've ranted there, so I'm going to turn it over to Luke real quick. But, you know, that, that's what pisses me off is all these vo- 81 million voters. Nobody knew. Oh, man I, I, man, I didn't know that Joe Biden would do that. Because you're dumb. That's why. Because you've had 48 years of past performance to look at, and you refuse to look at it because you didn't like reading mean tweets. You thought the other guy was too orange. You didn't like reading mean tweets. And you know what? This goes off on another tangent. But how did we get, like, I was watching Private Parts the other day, right? And I haven't seen it in a while with Howard Stern and the, and the, and the shock jocks. And, then, you know, I kind of remember that time because I was in D.C. when he was on D.C. one-on-one. And what in the hell happened between the Howard Stern era and now? Totally different topic, I know. Just throw it in the back of your mind there. But when you look at the shock jock and Howard Stern and what he was saying on the radio, not just him, right? There's a whole bunch of them at, at that, that. You know, he was the, probably the biggest one that came out at the early stages. But when you look at what he was doing and saying on the radio, what in the F happened from that time to now? Dude, unbelievable. But anyway, back to Afghanistan. Luke, that's, uh, that's enough of my renting for this, uh, for this segment. What's happening? No, I want to. I want to actually kick it right back to you, and maybe you could give us a brief rundown. Our favorite fan, I think Bonnie, uh, I think had a back and forth with you uh, last night. Uh, I w- I can't see it because I blocked her long ago. But can you give us a quick rundown of what went on there? It was basically she didn't agree with the way the withdrawal happened, so she was right on that. I think. I think we all agree on that. But it was the. What do you mean Americans are stranded? What do you mean Americans? You know, and then, it, 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 and I'm not picking on her. It's the, again, you got to know your audience, right? Most of us know the folks that we associate with. And, you know, it went on to explain that, well, you know, Afghanistan's not like, uh, you know, a small town out in Kansas or whatever. It's, you know, the size of Texas and you've got onesies and twosies. And I'm glad she told me that because I didn't realize that with my last four tours over there, that it was that big. And, uh, you know, the, the, the Americans and people were that dispersed around the country. Um, took me four tours to figure that out. There was somebody on Facebook to tell me that. But anyway, so it was like, you know, in her mind, and, and maybe it's her news sources, right? So I don't want to pick on her too much. Maybe it's her news sources that she reads. They make it sound like, because I, I don't spend a whole lot of time on MSNBC and CNN. I, I watch, you know, the big news events because I want to see how it's covered. But they make it sound like, oh, there's one person out in Herat. There's two people out in Kandahar. Nobody's getting turned away from the gates. It's like, yeah, people are getting turned away from the gates. Right? I mean, when I when I, I literally pulled that up for him, like, hey, there is, and now this is a report, so it hadn't been confirmed yet because it had been, uh, I forget the guy's name. I think it was reported to one of the senators that a bus of 400 Americans went to the gate, which we all knew the gate was shut after the, especially after the 13 died. You know, they shut the gates down, so nobody was making it in. Buses of 14 or 400 Americans went to the gate and couldn't get in. Oh, and then, by the way, Let's not even talk about, well, you know what? We're going to go ahead and give a list of folks who work with us and a list of Americans to the Taliban checkpoint. Um, that way they know who to let in. 
So, I mean, I guess technically from that aspect, you could say, well, yeah, they, they didn't stop anybody from coming. Dude, I'm not leaving the house if you gave the Taliban my name and I have to go through a checkpoint. So how many other people stayed home and said, we're not even going to go out because I have to go through a Taliban checkpoint and they've got my name knowing that I'm either an American or I've been working with the Americans. You know, so I go back to say, you know, it's like, it could be a couple different scenarios. One, she honestly didn't know and her news source that she reads or follows or whatever, that's the way they're portraying it, onesies and twosies, which according to, um, you know, Blinken, that's the case, right? Uh, dude, it sounded like my kid with homework, dude. Well, you know, we have less than 200. Actually, it's probably closer to 100. Uh, what? No, because you just had a bus of 400 turned away. So we know it's more than that. So let, let's let's get beyond the 100, right? But they, they I don't know if it's her news source that says, uh, that leads them to believe that it's onesies and twosies that are out there, or uh, maybe she just, you know, she works. I get it. And so you don't catch the news cycle. You know, we've got all day to sit here and, and, wa- and watch TV or whatever. So maybe she's missed a news cycle or two. Or you're just completely blind to it, and you're, you're doing whatever you can to justify what your belief is. As opposed to, I don't give a crap if it was Biden, Trump, Ronald Reagan, Jimmy Carter, any president that leaves American, uh, Americans behind the way they did, I, I would feel the same way. I don't care who it is. But these people have this idea that you know, they have to find some way to defend their... And that's what it is, right? They feel guilty. They feel guilty because they put that man in office. They feel guilty because they voted for him. They feel guilty because they know there was 48 years of past performance they failed to look at, but they didn't want to read mean tweets today. So that's what it is. You feel guilty about the way you voted, so you have to sit there and and justify the way you did it or why you did what you did. And so they look for ways, right, to justify their vote. Hey, Biden's doing the right thing. No, he's not. And I don't care how you slice it, Leaving Americans, especially in the numbers, we're not talking about one. Dude, they're saying 10%. And they're fine with it. The media is fine with it. We only left 10% of the Americans. Right? That would be 32.8 million Americans out of the 328 million that we have in this country. And we only left 10%. So anyway, I'll kick it back to you, man. I know I've been ranting a lot. It just, it, it really, I didn't get a chance to do the sip from the cup and, and the other episodes you guys have. I've, I've like had this stuff like brewing in me and I just watched the TV and I'm just like, I mean, did these guys not play like Risk or like Axis and Allies as kids or something like that? Right? Or Battleship or something? Like, gosh, bless it, dude. I mean, these people play like Clash of Clans or Clash Royale. It's not that hard to figure out. I mean, there's a much better strategy. <laughs> yeah, my favorite was the Air Intel guy that gave Josh the business on uh, our Twitter, uh, our C3 Twitter page. That, <laughs> that was awesome. Uh, and maybe Josh will get into a little bit of that. But, you know, I'll go back to the thing I said, you know, about, I think I said a, few, a couple episodes ago, just because I'm not a doctor doesn't mean I can't have independent thoughts. And just because I'm not a general doesn't mean I can't plan a better op than that. I mean, it's just, it's awful. And I, I, I have a lot more to say, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to talk long on this round. Um, I will say this. I think that the administration was just thanking their lucky stars that hurricane Ida blew in and took over at least a portion of the news cycle. And that was very fortunate for the administration. Um, you know, Roger said, you know, we, we follow the news pretty close, especially for me on the weekends. It's about, about all I do is watch the news and, you know, while I'm in between tasks that the, that the wife gives me. But, you know, in, in this news cycle, it was real easy to get caught up on inaccurate stories. Real easy. I mean, because, you know, something would come out and immediately 
be debunked or it wasn't accurate and stuff like that. We talk about that a lot on this podcast. You just kind of got to wait for a lot of stuff to come out uh, to get the big picture. But that's kind of my point is that, and maybe I'll get into it later on after uh, after I kick it to Josh and Roger again. But man, if you look at this, I'm kind of echoing what what you two guys are saying. It, even you know, if you not just ignoring all the details, you know, and getting too wrapped up in all the details and looking at the big picture here, it's just again. I mean, we we said so many times this is just a debacle on almost every level. The way we pulled out, the way we pulled out of Afghanistan is an absolute debacle. Josh and Roger have both already said it in this podcast. I think we all three agree it's time to leave Afghanistan. And, But there's a good and a bad way to do it, and we just completely screwed that up, and I think it's a bad omen. I think it's a bad omen. It's not good. No matter who's president next, this is a bad omen. Uh, maybe on the next round I'll get in a little bit into Biden's speech, but... I will give him credit where credit is due and no, no tongue in cheek or anything. If you watch the speech, he actually performed fairly well. I'm not talking about the substance. I'm talking about his Bidenisms. You know, he didn't have that many. He kind of looked refreshed a little bit. Roger said, you know, we were messaging back and forth while the speech is going on. Roger said, it looks like he took a B12 shot. And it did. Dude had some color. He looked good, and he didn't stumble over himself. So I'll give him credit for that. Um, And actually, you know, politically speaking, from where uh, the Democrats and Biden and all his supporters, politically, from where they stand, the first, I'm looking at the speech right now, the first two pages of the speech politically went really well. But maybe I'll get into the speech uh, later. Man, it just fell apart after that and stopped. It just stopped making sense. It just really stopped making sense. Um, I'll get into that next round. But uh, Josh has got a lot to say on a couple of topics, and I want to kick that to him uh, while it's still fresh on his on his brain on his in his in his brain pan. Yeah, because it's it's it'll be gone here in about thirty seconds. So first, I want to get into the phone call between Biden and uh, then. President Ghani of, of Afghanistan before he tucked tail and ran. So on July 23rd, so, okay, so a couple things, right? So we'll start off. So this phone call, the transcript of the phone call was leaked. Okay. So if, you know, you hop into the Wayback Machine here a couple of years ago, you know that there was a transcript of a phone call uh, between then President Trump and a Ukrainian president that was leaked. Right. And, you know, they came out. It was Eric Saramella um, and uh, and that fat lieutenant colonel, um, you know, uh, Vinman. Uh, Vinman. Vinman. Yeah. We're done, dude. You said that you said the words, man. We're done. <laughs> I, I, Cantiners, if you're listening to this, it's a damn miracle. Yeah. <laughs> so. Right. So a f- transcript of another phone call between two city, you know, two presidents has been leaked. Now, we all know that only certain individuals are allowed to sit in on those phone calls. It's never, I can tell you right now, it is never just a phone call between two people. There and any, any you know, when when the President of the United States calls the President, you know, when he, when he calls Putin, guess what? There's 30 people on, you know, the Russian side that are listening in as well. So, 
when people say, oh, the deep state's a far-right conspiracy, the deep state doesn't exist, it's a fallacy, I'm telling you right now, the deep state exists. That was leaked for a reason. That wasn't leaked because somebody is, you know, anti-Biden, anti-whatever. It was leaked because Biden has challenged the establishment. Biden has said the intel community was wrong. Biden has said that his advisors were wrong. Telling you right now, the deep state is real. The deep state exists. And if you do not toe the line for the establishment, regardless of what side of the aisle you sit on, you will be destroyed. And that's just that's just the way it is. Now, let's get into the content of that phone call. So Biden calls Ghani 23 July. And I quote part of this part of this phone call. Uh, you know, Biden asked Ghani uh, if basically he would lie and say that the campaign against the Taliban was going well because and so I'll, uh, I'll just go ahead and, and give you the quote. Biden, I need not tell you the perception around the world and in parts of Afghanistan, I believe, is that things are not going well in terms of the fight against the Taliban. And there is a need, whether it is true or not, there is a need to project a different picture, end quote. All right. So anybody who, you know, has passed third grade, a little bit of reading comprehension, knows that Biden's asking Ghani to lie. But, hey, man, in true Billy Mays fashion, wait, there's more. Biden also tells Ghani, quote, we will continue to provide close air support if we know what the plan is. Now, the left established the rules in the last administration. I'm going to give you the very the, the Webster's definition of quid pro quo. It quid pro quo, it's a noun, and quote, a favor or advantage granted or expected in return for something. So I remember last administration, a certain president was impeached because he threatened to withhold lethal aid to a country in return for a favor. So here we have the current president of the United States, this 80-year-old dementia patient that supposedly 81 million absolutely retarded Americans voted for, threatened to withhold close air support, which last time I checked, close air support is lethal because they drop bombs and blow things up in return for a favor. Anyway, nothing's going to happen. We all know, you know, that, you know, his party controls the House and the Senate. There will be no impeachment hearings. There will be no nothing. Mitch McConnell already came out and said that, you know, he's, well, he's not going to Hold on one second, Josh. Let me cut you off for one second before you finish your thought, because I want you to address this as well. A uh, couple sentences before that quote, right? So Josh gave you like the middle of it and going forward. And, and, and this is actually pretty important when he talked about the establishment. So at the very beginning, Biden, you know, I'm a moment late which I don't know what that means, but he's late because he's late to everything. He can't be late, can't be on time for anything. But, you know, I'm a moment late, but I mean it sincerely. Hey, look, I want to make it clear that I'm not a military man any more than you are, but I've been meeting with our Pentagon folks and our national security people as you have with ours and yours. And as you know, I need not tell you the perception around the world and in parts of Afghanistan, I believe that things aren't going well. So, hey, man, it ain't on the IC. 
from the way that sounds there, everybody's telling him this is all going bad. Sorry, Josh, I cut you off, but I, I, I yeah. wanted to bring that snip in there because you start talking about the establishment and all that other good stuff. Yeah, no, no. And that's a, and that's a great point. And you know, the whole, like, we didn't know, you know, we didn't know it was going to go this bad. We didn't know this. If you go back to March of this year is when the state department issued its first warning telling American citizens to get out of Afghanistan in March. So in March of this year, they already knew, they already knew this was going bad. And if you go back to the special inspector general for Afghanistan, there's a website. It's uh, the SIGAR, S-I-G-A-R, for Afghanistan. It will come out, you know, it'll show you. So the special uh, inspector general's report for Afghanistan, it has been compiled over the last 11 years. One of the very first things of that report, they conducted hundreds and hundreds of interviews, hundreds of interviews of elected officials, the National Security Council, senior military commanders, general officers, you know, flag officers, the whole nine yards. And in the executive summary of this of the report, Afghanistan is not going well. Everybody they interviewed to a person said this is not going well. This is not working. This is, this is going to turn out very badly. So for anybody in the administration, anybody in, you know, the senior, you know, national security council channels, anybody in the senior military channels, who's like, Oh, I, you know, I, I had no idea. You're a liar and you're full of shit. You knew everybody knew the E4, you know, Intel analysts sitting in the, you know, the skiff in the 82nd airborne division, that guy could tell you, you knew, you know, I've been, you know, yeah, I retired off of active duty last year, but you know, I've, you know, I've been, you know, a, a dirty, filthy government contractor, you know, for the last year. And I've been staring at this every day. And I'm telling you right now, at no point in the last, you know, since October, 2001, when we invaded Afghanistan after nine 11, at no point was it ever a question of what was going to happen when we left at no point. And for anybody to say otherwise, they're, they're, they're lying. So you brought up, you know, so you guys brought up the list of, uh, of civilians or, you know, folks, American citizens and, uh, you know, the, uh, SIV applicants and, uh, and, you know, and fo- other folks who supported us during the, uh, during the war. So that, that, that list automatically goes against some of the talking points from Raggedy Ann. You know, well, we don't know how many Americans are left. We don't know how many SIV applicants are left. We don't know who, you know, we just don't have those numbers. Well, you gave the Taliban a list, so you at least know some number. But you none can of at least count the names on the list, right? right. None of the people yeah, that no, we don't know about are stranded, so. Right, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So automatically, right there, you can blow, you know, you, you, you can blow that out of the water. That doesn't even, even matter. And on the 26th of August, during one of his, you know, the few times that Biden actually took questions, I think before this point, I think the Taliban had actually fielded more questions from reporters than the president of the United States. Biden even acknowledged that, he, oh, well, on, quote, unspecified occasions... For example, you know, this bus is coming through with X number of people on it, you know, made up of the following people. We may have, you know, we may have provided names. Okay, so you gave lists to the Taliban. I mean, just go ahead and say what you did. It's, you know, it it doesn't make it any better to try and, you know, and to whitewash it. So reading some of the State Department traffic, one of the very first things that the State Department 
did when they started evacuating the embassy, right? You go through, you have a continuity operations plan. You have an emergency destruction plan. We all, we, we've all seen them. We've all, you know, read it. We've all, you know, done that drill. So you have an emergency destruction plan. One of the very first things they started destroying was the list of SIV applicants specifically because they did not want it to fall into the hands of the Taliban. And then turn around, what did the United States government do? They gave it to the Taliban. So to sit there and say, you know, well, we don't know how many, whatever, to give them the list, I, I, I don't understand. Luke, so Luke brought this up. Uh, you know, Luke said it. Luke called this. He, he, Luke called this. Noster Lucas was like, I guarantee you we are going to start the narrative about the Taliban not being that bad. And what we've seen in the last 72 96 hours is 100% accurate. Luke was spot on. It's it, the Taliban is not that bad. So it's fun. But then you turn around and Jim Psaki still, still is like, well, we don't know how many Americans left or, or, or left in Afghanistan. Well, you had list. Like you had list. And it's not like, you know, we went to the Bahamas on a cruise. Did I contact the United States embassy in the Bahamas to let them know I was going to be in country during that time? No. Why? Because the threat was, I mean, you know, it's, it's super low. If I travel to some place like, I don't know, maybe Afghanistan, am I going to let the United States Embassy know that, hey, I am here, here's where I'm at, in case something really bad happens, I, you come, come get me. Absolutely. So I, I highly doubt a whole lot of Americans went into Afghanistan without letting the United States Embassy know that they were there. Uh, so to say we don't have accurate numbers or we don't have this or we don't have that, whatever. So this came out today, Wall Street Journal, a senior State Department official who did not want to be named for obvious reasons. And I'll go ahead and quote the, you know, quote, quote this paragraph, because this is just mind boggling. Quote, the U.S. still doesn't have reliable data on who was evacuated, nor for what type of visas they may qualify Initial assessments suggest most visa applicants didn't make it through the crush at the airport. Our efforts to help get the most vulnerable Afghans through the crowds and into the airport were hindered by the threat of an attack by Islamic State, limited access points to the airport, and Taliban checkpoints in the approaches to the airport, end quote. So you have, you know, a senior State Department official just say, one, yes, there were Taliban checkpoints who would not let Americans through. Um, and you just you you just corroborated some of the other reporting. You guys remember the picture of the C-17 that had like, you know, 800-something people on it? Um, I mean, granted, it's 800 Afghans, so that's equivalent to maybe of like 150 Americans because uh, they all <laughs> weigh like 80 pounds. And so, but one of the things that came out and it was a tweet from, uh, you know, one of these, it it, it was somebody that was there, somebody in the know, but it, you know, it wasn't somebody who was willing to be identified. They're like, they're not screening these people before they get on the planes. They're just taking people, uh, you know, and that cooperate you, you've seen a couple, uh, I believe it was a guy in Qatar. They, uh, actually started screening folks. They're like, hold on. Like this dude was actually a named objective like 10 years ago, like this guy's actually a named objective. Like this guy's an actual terrorist. Uh, they found like, you know, the, the rapist, uh, guy who'd been convicted of rape and, you know, they found him in the, uh, one of the tents in Germany and stuff. So that kind of cooperates that reporting is dude, we just started putting people on planes without screening them. 
without understanding who we're getting. And oh, by the way, the people who we were supposed to be evacuating, U.S. citizens, our allies, SIV applicants, they didn't make it. They're still there, like Rogers pointed out. So, Luke, what you got? Hey, Josh. Uh, I want to throw something in there because uh, I'll forget. Yeah, yeah. I swear I'll yeah, forget. But uh, I, I really believe uh, after seeing, again, the totality of the circumstances and exactly what was going on there, I am convinced that the reason they did not screen was because they didn't want to be overrun with 250,000 Afghans with 82nd Airborne and Marines who were told to hold the perimeter with, you know, a crush of literally tens of thousands of people scaling the walls and coming over. They didn't want a massive humanitarian disaster that would make my, my lay or whatever look like child's play. I believe that they were like, they got the word out those who were processing people among the crowds that were crushing and saying, look, stand in line orderly and we'll process you all through. And they just processed as many people as they could to, while they're cutting deals with the Taliban to, to you know, maintain security outside so that, that that airport would not be overrun. I'm convinced that that's the reason, that is the main reason that they just started load them on. They just started load them on, load them yeah. on. But anyway, that, that, that's something I just want to throw in there. I, I, if someone can provide me a better explanation than that, I'd love to hear it. And Roger looks like he has one. But yeah, no, no, and that's, a, and that's a great point. But Biden, Austin, Milley, and Blinken told us that they plan, quote, plan for every contingency. So that's not the case. Uh, so <laughs> according, according to them, they plan for every contingency, right? Uh, no, I, I think that's a, it's a, it's an absolutely valid point. Um, but it just, you know, it goes back to what Roger said. The fact we left, we left Americans behind, you know, and the whole like, you know, well, 90% of the Americans that wanted to get out, we got out. That's like, that's, that's like me going, well, on September 11, 2001, 99.99999, you know, infinity percent of Americans didn't get killed. So it was a great day, right? I mean, it, I mean, it was good. You know, like that's that's the equivalent of that. It's morally reprehensible. It's absolutely 100% morally reprehensible. So, you know, after we ran through that stuff right there, so for those of you keeping, you know, keeping score at home, the Taliban have a by name list provided by us of those who support us during the war, and now we're being the now we're being told the majority of them never even made it on a plane. And oh, by the way, you know, you had the State Department come out and be like, well, the Taliban, you know, we, they were talking about, so hey, so there's, there's ISIS-K to deal with. There's Al-Qaeda. There are already open source report, you know, open source reports of foreign fighters headed to Afghanistan, you know, to, to continue to get their jihad on. Uh, and you have the Haqqani network. You have the Haqqanis, and, you know, the State Department came out and was like, well, the, ha- the Haqqanis and Talibans, the Taliban would never share a list of U.S. citizens or anybody, you know, with, with the Haqqanis. And it, that, right there, that right there told me all, everything I needed to know about the State Department. The fact that you don't think that the Taliban and Haqqanis are in bed together, that just automatically, dude, the incompetence, I don't understand. I, I, this... The level of incompetence and the lack of even the, just even the slightest bit of moral accountability, just, I mean, just a moral accountability. I'm telling you right now, I don't, you know, if, if you're, you know, if you're a believer out there, 
you listen to what I'm going to say, even if you're not, I'm telling you right now, God is going to punish this country. God is going to punish us. He is going to punish the United States for what we've done. Mark, mark my words. I'm telling you right now, he is absolutely 100% going to punish us. And the speech with Joe Biden that, you know, Joe Biden gave his 30 minute rant. Um, I, he, yeah, I don't want to get into it. I'll let Luke talk, talk, you know, talk that piece. Now, I know Roger's got some notes on it. He might have had it, he definitely had his color back because he's got his B12 shot. I don't know. Maybe Jill gave him a Hummer before he, you know, he got up there. I don't know. Bleh. But I'm telling you right now, that guy, why are you, why was he screaming? Why was he yelling? Why was he doing the old man pointing yelling thing? That's what dementia patients do. His his behavior overall, it was not it was not good. It was not good. It was not fitting for for a president. He he seemed just. I mean, he was he was angry and yelling. It's like, dude, why are you yelling at people? If this was the perfect plan, you had the perfect plan. And this was executed perfectly. But then you blame Trump and say it was Trump's plan. Well, did you you executed Trump's plan perfectly? Then it was Trump's plan. If it was not executed perfectly, then it was Trump's plan. Like, like what was it? He didn't make any sense with that. Like you say, he 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 trailed off there in in the latter parts of it, and it was just dude. It was it was it was, it was gobbledygook. It was absolute fucking nonsense. Um, so that's my one f bomb for this show. Sorry uh, to. Luke's mom, my mom, and everybody. I'm going to stop talking now, and I'm going to kick it over to uh, to Roger. <laughs> Let Roger get into uh, get into old, old, old grandpa's speech. You know, I think the – and you can sum up all his speeches. I'll, I'll keep this short because it's uh, – I know Luke needs some air time here. But the uh, you can sum up all of his speeches uh, and everything from Saki. They're just lies. I mean, they're blatant lies. Like, you literally cannot believe anything. And go back to her talking about, well, they're not stranded. I don't like the term stranded. What, what the hell else do you call it? You know, you go back to the, to the, you know, the examples that we brought up earlier. And what's funny is the Taliban is playing the same game that the Biden administration is. So basically what they're saying, you know, they have PR statements out there, right? And press releases and, and interviews that do not match what's happening on the ground. I mean, it's the exact same thing the administration is doing. And I tell you, I may not agree with it, but take responsibility for your actions and your decisions. I wouldn't be happy about it all, but I would much rather hear Joe Biden say, you know what? We have been in this place for, for two decades uh, it is time to leave. My military commanders have given me a variety of different options. This is the one that I've chosen, and I get it with the 13 service members, this and that. You know, you, you take responsibility for your actions. This is this is what I honestly believe was the best way to get out, the fastest way to get out with no more loss of life, of life or, or minimal. Uh, and, hey, man, it just is what it is. It's, 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 it's how it shakes out. But to get up there and then just kind of, you know, like today they asked, hey, with the Pentagon briefing, so going back, now that the military op is over, right? Now we can do AR. So, so was anything that you, know, you could have done better? Well, you know, you can always do something better. Nothing's ever perfect. Like, dude, you can't even admit, admit your mistakes. 
Like, what is what in the hell is wrong with you people? You don't think the 200 at least Americans that you left behind, you don't take some, and you know what? Here's what's funny. So, we're fine with leaving 10% of the Americans behind in Afghanistan in a daggum war zone. Uh, but, you know, for a virus with a 1.7% fatality rate, you know, we're going to have ma- mask mandates and lock people down. So, I don't know where the, uh, where the line is with the percentages there, but I, I just thought that was pretty interesting. But, Luke, I'll, I'll kick this to you because you brought up something uh, that, you know, I've been thinking about the last couple of weeks. What's the deal with the Taliban? What deal did the administration make with the Taliban? And I tell you, I don't know what report. I wish I knew the reporter that asked this because uh, I believe it was a female. Brilliant question. It was one of the. It was early on, and uh, was it Major General Taylor or whoever got up there? Because at that time, nobody else was getting up there. Like, oh hell no, we're we're putting this two star up there. Nobody even knew who that dude was. And he gets up there, and they're talking about well, who controls the airport. Well, the Taliban controls the airport. Well, who controls the resources? Well, the Taliban controls the resources. So are we buying our fuel from the Taliban? And I tell you, go if you see this on YouTube, he chuckles. He chuckles. He actually smirks a little bit, kind of looks nice like, you dag him right. And I'm not mad about that. I just hope that I'm paying less than what, the, than what we're paying the Taliban for gas. So, Luke, I mean, what do you think? What's the deal that they cut uh, with the Taliban? Oh, man, that's a good question. You know, and Josh typed it in, and I, I, I have it here in my notes as well, that the dog didn't – the portion of my notes that the dog didn't eat. It's – yeah, it's, it's what I'm wondering is what was said in the room with Bardar and the CIA director. And you guys know how I feel about the CIA, man. I, I, I have close to zero faith in them. And what kind of rickety-ass plan was hatched in that room? I, I don't even want to know, dude. I don't even want to know, but I guarantee it involved a lot of money. It involved a lot of money, a lot of aid, a lot of uh, promises that may or may not be kept. Uh, and the Taliban walked into that room 100% with all the bar- all the chips. It's like, you know, when someone's trying to take you out in poker, you know, you're playing with your buddies, you're playing a little Texas Hold'em, and you've got like four chips left. And, and they've got the whole stack. It's like, you're done. And we were done. And we had, didn't have much bargaining room, so we had to give them everything. Uh, what was the threat that the CIA director made? I, I don't know. Um, yeah, I said that I, I think it was a, a real safe bet that the media would, would come out with Taliban equals good. And that has happened. But I, I said in our little chat, and, uh, you know, <laughs> We, we have this little chat that the three of us go back and forth on quite a bit during the week. We call it show prep. But uh, I said in that chat, it was probably me and Josh Roger. It was off ski and the whiteboarding or whatever he does. And I said, I'm telling you, it's going to be joint ops with the Taliban. That's what's going to happen. And it's going to be ISIS-K. And, you know, that's another thing. I'm going to go off on some tangents here, too. You know, I'm, I'm hearing it from I'm hearing stuff I don't agree with from both sides. You know, Tucker Carlson, you know, usually I agree with him about 80% of the time. But last night on his monologue, it was like 50%. He was saying stuff, I'm like, dude, that's just wrong. You know, he's like, ISIS-K, that's made up. And I'm like, no, bro, it's not made up. It's very much real. Now, how, how, how it can be overblown, I understand that. Now, you know, we, Josh could maybe get into that uh, later. But ISIS-K is a real thing. Uh, it has been for, for a while. The threat, hmm. Mm, maybe we'll, we can talk about that uh, later. But to, to answer your question, Roger, a lot of promises were made. It's going to be joint ops with the Taliban. But I'll, I'll tell you what, <laughs> you know, I jotted down some notes. It's like we're making deals. You've got the Biden regime. 
you know, everybody on the left voted for Biden. Um, those with a heart maybe stayed home and didn't. You know, those Bernie, hardcore Bernie Sanders supporters back in, you know, before he uh, sold his soul and endorsed Hillary. You know, th- those people are still out there who might who might not have showed up. But he basically represents the woke, you know, super culture, you know, vote against Trump. We're going to we're going to have our guy in the White House. And now we're making deals and, and in his speech, you know, and in and, and the actions that we're doing, we're making deals with the Taliban, a repressive regime that just craps all over women's rights and LGBTQ rights. We're going to be doing joint ops with these people. I'm telling you, that day's coming. That day's coming, and you'll see. But we're making deals with these people. We're giving them a ton of money. Looking at your comments, Mr. National Security, Jake Sullivan, we're giving them money, A quid, another quid pro quo. Well, you know, that aid will continue to flow to Afghanistan as long as the Taliban, you know, does what they're supposed to do. That's basically what he said. So guess what? These days, if you're sending money to Afghanistan, you're sending money to the Taliban, who's about to set up an official government with ministers and everything. Now, doing all this, the the Biden regime, you know, passing money to them and giving them aid and, you know, giving them all the arms that they got. Man, that's some Ronald Reagan shit. That's what that is. You know, the left will say, you know, the, 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 you know, the Contras, you know, the, the Iran Contra affair, you know, they don't stand for U.S. values. Dude, come on. This is some Ronald Reagan stuff right here. What they accused Ronald Reagan of being. And sometimes Ronald Reagan did do some of that stuff. He did what he had to do to fight communism. But, you know, so I don't know. There, there, there's really so much to say. I, I, I'll touch on a couple of things, and I'll kick it to Josh. First of all, I want to address something Josh said earlier. I'll say it again. I said it in an earlier podcast. I'm going to repeat that a head of state, and I'm talking about you know President Ga- ex-president of Afghanistan, Ghani. A head of state can't just jump on an airplane one day and decide without massive prior coordination that he's going to bounce over to Tajikistan and then over to Qatar in a matter of pretty much hours. Going, you know, basically just leaving the country and setting himself up and transferring all that money. That doesn't happen without a lot of coordination. And there is no way the IC didn't know about that. I'm sorry, there's just no way. That was not a surprise. It was not a surprise. Maybe in certain, you know, uh, you know, special access programs, it wasn't, you know, a surprise. But I, that should not have been a surprise if that happened. So just to touch on that point. Um, I said I, I was I was I've been pretty upset. Uh, as as everyone has about this thing, this thing, and I, I know a lot of veterans out there are really upset about it. And I've had people. I want to give a shout out to our listener Damon, uh, listening from Iowa. You know, he checked in. I, he's not the only one, but I'll single him out. Uh, you know, a lot of people just been just checking in on me, um, just unsolicited. I'm not putting anything on Facebook. You know, I I'm fine. You know, it's a little depressing and demoralizing, like Josh said at the beginning. But I'm okay, man. I, I'm not having an existential crisis over this or anything. But Damon checked in on me to make sure I'm doing all right, and I appreciate that. Damon's not a military guy. Uh, but a lot of veterans are hurting, and I know that, that it's not easy for them. But that, that's another phase of this planning. If, if they plan for every single contingency, then they would know that a lot of veterans would take this hard. You know, and if they've known for months and this is what was going to happen, maybe the VA should have taken some steps 
you know, to reach out to veterans and start prepping the battlefield for what was going to happen, because I guarantee the suicide rate's going to spike. Which is a good good news from the speech, though. According to Joe Biden, it's gone from 22 a day down to 18. So I guess that's some good news. That's real sarcastic, people. It pisses me off. But it's like, you know, that that's another thing. You know, I'll, I'll return to what we've all said. There's there's a right and a wrong way to do things, and you know, done the right way. You know, so veterans could have pride in how we pulled out, and it wouldn't have been that hard to do. I mean, it would have required a lot of effort a lot bigger of an operation. But veterans could have had pride instead of watching this complete disaster and sitting there asking themselves, you know, in the dark, you know, by themselves, their wives left them because all the time they spent in Afghanistan wondering what was it all about. And that that was just, that's just another aspect to this. You know, I want to say another thing that my wife and I were talking about last night, um, you know the and I, I, this is where I want Josh's Josh's input. So Josh, you know, put a put a put a feather in this one, and I really want you to address it. Um, if I was a two star general, one star general, uh, high SES level up in the CIA, National Security Council, national, you know, National Security Advisor, at at some point during this process, during this planning process, and how all everything was falling apart. There have been so many decisions where I would have just said, no, I'm not doing that. And they have said, well, General Luke, <laughs> that's funny to hear because that would never happen. <laughs> but, well, General Luke, you know, you're going to have to because this is a lawful order that I'm giving you. I'd be like, well, then I, I, I'm not going to do it. And they're like, well, you have to resign. Okay, then I resign. Just like General Ham did back in the Benghazi thing. Well, he was forced out, but that, that dude was disobeying orders, had to be put in, under MP watch. That was awesome. Good on General Ham. He wasn't going to do the stupid thing. He was going to try to do the right thing. But I would be in a position as a general or an SES where I could afford, it would be an easy decision is what I'm saying. It would be an easy decision to resign because I'd walk right into my contracting gig or my Fox News you know, uh, consultant gig or whatever I'd be doing. You know, and right now at the position I'm in, you know, employment wise, I can quit. Sure. And I, I, I would. But the, the difference between being a general or an SES is that, you know, those people are decision makers, major policy decision makers. And flash newsflash to everyone who might have been uh, mistaken about this. I do not have that kind of decision. making. <laughs> Nobody listens to me on, on at that level. But anyone who had any kind of input on this should have either already resigned or should resign. And I want to hear Josh's uh, explanation on this, because I, I do agree with him why every general officer should resign right now immediately. I'm going to say one more thing, and I'm going to kick it to you, Josh. I know that was kind of just jointed, what I, what I just said about you know me being an SES and resigning. I hope, I hope some of y'all uh, kind of got the gist of what I was saying. But uh, I'll say one more, another thing and a kick it to Josh. You know, there's going to be a lot of Afghan refugees coming through. And although they're going to be coming in, they're going to be settling in the States. And I don't think it's been decided where they're all going to eventually settle or how that's going to happen. But I'll tell you this, not all of them are bad people. You know, they're really not. And I would say, I would tell you this, and if some are settled in your community and you see them, I can tell you what I don't want. Or I'll tell you what I do want. I'd like to see you treat them with some kindness and 
realize that, you know, they're not bad people. They're not. The majority of them aren't. 99% of them just want to get the hell out of there. They just want to leave. Because now, you know, the, the world's open in front of them. And it's up to them to either make it or not. You know, but I, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. If I meet some, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to be kind to them. I'm going to meet a, you know meet him with an open heart i think josh should too to be more christ-like because he says some stuff that jesus doesn't like in this podcast but I, I would encourage everyone to be nice to the to the afghan refugees that might might possibly be settling in your area because there's a lot of them and um we can talk about that later but josh tell me about the generals resigning and your stance on that without too much red in your face yeah. as you talk so so let me touch on that last point that you just made too so i you know i hope they settle some you know some of the afghan refugees in my area because you know in the three of us we we've traveled the world we've seen there's good people and bad people of uh, of every race of every ethnicity every nationality right there there was there there are good people in afghanistan but uh, you know case in point marcus luttrell would not be alive today if there were not good people in afghanistan you know, and so, you know, those who are not familiar with Marcus Luttrell, I, you know, I, I urge you to go, go take a look at, you know, him, go take a look at Operation Red Wings. Um, and, you know, coincidentally, you know, the largest loss of life in, uh, in Afghanistan, you know, that happened in Kabul, uh, you know, 13, uh, 13 service members getting killed, you know, prior to that, the largest loss of life was extortion 17, uh, you know, that, that got shot down. Uh, in Afghanistan, but you know, they're they're absolutely the majority of Afghanis are good. The majority of Af, you know Afghans, they they just want to live. They just want to you know live and let live. Uh, so you know, absolutely, if they're settled in, if they're resettled in your community, reach out to them, be a friend to them, be a, you know, be be what you know Americans are, and that's the one thing you know. And so Luke kind of you know touched on it again, and I'm I'm getting to your GoFo uh, point, Luke. I promise, uh, but yeah, I, I want to hit these points while they're all because they're all kind of connected. You know, uh, you know, the the a lot of folks, you know, a lot of Afghan vets uh, are struggling. You know, I'm not in an existential crisis, but because I I know at the end of the day, and I hate, I absolutely hate to quote Bill Clinton. Um, but you know, he did have one quote that is, he, he was absolutely 100% right. There's nothing wrong with America that can't be fixed by what's right with America. And so what we're seeing out of this administration, leaving Americans behind, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a other side to that coin because there's private companies right now. And there are individuals who, you know, are retired out of the military who are spending, and you know, a lot of their own personal money and a lot of their own personal time and putting themselves at harms, you know, in harm's way to get folks out of, to get the folks out of Afghanistan that this administration failed to, you know, and so that's, that's what's right with America. Those are, you know, those are American values right there that you're seeing. You're not seeing American values from this administration. You're not at all. So if, you know, if Afghan, you know, if those Afghan uh, refugees or what do you want, you know, displaced persons, I, you know, whatever the, whatever bin we're going to put them in, if they're settled in your community, help them become Americans, welcome them to your community, welcome into the fold, you know, and, you know, they, they, they just want to live in peace without fear of, you know, being killed every day, uh, you know, just like we do. So, you know, reach out to them and, uh, and you know, insulate, don't isolate, uh, you know, for sure. So as far as the GoFos go, it's funny because, you know, I, I mentioned this at work the other day and uh, it resonated with, you know, it res luckily it resonated with my boss. Um, it didn't resonate with everybody, but it resonated with my boss. So I think I'm good. Uh, I think every... 
general officer, flag officer, those who did not resign on Tuesday morning resign either in shame of their poor advice, their poor leadership, or resign in protest, I have zero respect for now. You have none of my respect. I don't respect a single one of you. I don't care who you are. You could have dropped your retirement papers on Tuesday morning right then. Every single person above the rank of 06, you have over 20 years in the United States military. You are eligible for retirement. If you did not resign either in protest or in shame, you have none of my respect. I have nothing but contempt for you. I have nothing but ire for you. And I hope and I pray, and again, this is super unchristian of me, I wish the fleas of a thousand camels infest your pillow. It's just nothing but disdain for you because this is not who we are. This is not what we're seeing out of this administration. This is not America. This is not our country. It's 80, you know, again, if you believe it, it's 81 million people. 81 million people voted this dementia-ridden 80-year-old, zero accomplishments guy in the office. And oh, by the way, where the hell is the vice president? Oh, that's right. The vice president during all this time, one, she refused to stand next to him during his first press conference on Afghanistan after he was shamed into coming back from Camp David, right? So when, when, when Kabul fell, he was at Camp David. Everyone saw the picture of him sitting at the table by himself, staring at the, you know, the TV screen, the VTC. She was getting ready to go on a trip to, you know, Singapore and Vietnam. So all this is going on. Where's the vice president at? She's not in L.A. hanging out with Willie Brown. Maybe he was on Air Force Two. Maybe not. That's uh, that's to be determined. Uh, She was laying flowers. Get this. She laid flowers at a memorial in Hanoi. Where does she think? She was laying flowers at. She thought she was laying flowers at a memorial to John McCain. Well, she was about 50% correct. It was a memorial to John McCain. It was a memorial that they erected to shooting down John McCain. It wasn't a memorial. <laughs> they were memorializing, <laughs> celebrating him. They were celebrating the people that shot him down. What did she do? She laid flowers at it. She laid the vice president of the United States laid flowers at a memorial celebrating the shooting down of an American pilot. Think of let that sink in. And then, oh, by the way, a couple days later, what is she photographed of? She's standing next to the first lady of Vietnam, staring at a picture of Ho Chi Minh. Couple that with Jim Pasaki standing with the Russian, her and John Kerry. She's got the, you know, she's got the big Russian hat with a hammer and sickle on it. What is the Democrats, what, what is their infatuation with communism and communists? What is this? It's complete and utter bullshit. That's what our vice president was doing. Well, Joe Biden doesn't know what day it is. He can't stay awake past eight, you know, six o'clock. He doesn't know what's going on. He gets his ice cream, you know, at, at noon and then he's down for his nap at one. It's absolutely insane. Like, what is going on? And this is why I give no quarter to Biden voters. This is why I used to be, you know, I used to be very much, let's reach across the aisle, let's have a conversation, we can have a conversation, you know, that's the, that's the whole point of it. I'm not that way anymore. I'm done with you. 
I'm done with people who I, I am absolutely 100% done with you. You voted based on emotion. You hated Trump more than you loved your country. And that's just it. That sums you up. You hated a person more than you loved your country. And I hope you get what's coming to you. I really hope you do. And that you can chalk that up. That's probably the fourth or fifth unchristian thing I've said <laughs> in this podcast. We'll get banned again. It looks like YouTube's like at least 30 episodes behind us. We'll, we'll have something that get banned or pulled or, or, or whatever, <laughs> you know. It's, uh, and you hit it on the head, Josh. Throughout this whole thing, again, I can live with bad decisions. I make them all the time. Make them every day. Uh, I can live with bad decisions. I can live with making, you know, or, or accepting responsibility. And, and, and our recourse for that is to vote them out, vote new people in, what have you. It's the, they are so, when you look at the totality of, of this, they are so out of touch. It's everything from, we know what Kamala's doing to, like you said, with Jen Psaki wearing the, the, you know, the Soviet Russian and sickle to, hey, you know what? I'm going to go take a long weekend to, you know, he was supposed to fly to Delaware to he caught, he finally caught so much flack that he's like, oh, I'll come back. He comes back from Camp David, gives his speech and then turns around and goes back to Camp David. It's like they were just so out of touch. And then when you've got, finally, when we leave Afghanistan, the last plane and this and that, that is a moment that is meant for the president. Uh, Good, bad, and different. There are moments that are too big for your cabinet. There are moments that are too big for for secretaries and and this and that. That is one of those moments. It's like declaring war, right? There are are moments that it's just, it's beyond what your press secretary can go out there and say. It's beyond what your your Pentagon officials can go out there and say. It's a presidential moment, good, bad, or indifferent. And they just miss the mark on all of it. I mean, you can't make it up. And, you know, Luke was typing some notes. I'm going to kind of dovetail on this thing. I feel bad for the for the leaders and the soldiers who couldn't retire. Because I sit here and think, you know, I look back and I and I say, okay, and, and even as a as a enlisted guy, senior enlisted guy, I mean you can't just retire that quick. There's a process, so you you know, it, you're you're gonna be there for a while. But let's say you're you're given that order, you know what's gonna happen. It's like, what do you do? I mean, like it, you know, and we're not talking about, hey, go take that hill. Hey, I'm scared. It's like this goes against every moral fiber and grain in my body. What do you do? And I tell you, it's the, to put those soldiers, sailors, Marines, uh, all the service members out there, to put them in that position, uh, that's tough. And so you sit here and you say as a senior leader, uh, maybe even as a senior civilian or, you know, warrant officer, what have you, you sit there and say, how would I have reacted? What would I have done? I agree with Josh, you know, I, and I do expect, I, I believe that we will see resignations. I just don't think it'll happen soon. I think months down the road, because you'll come to his first year, uh, they'll make the whole, well, you know, one year mark and I'm retiring and this and that or whatever. I think we'll see that. This is going to be a reason for it, but that's not the reason they're going to give. But those folks who couldn't retire, it's like, what do they do? That's what kills me. And I'll, and I'll kick it to, to Luke. Uh, talk about some of the, you know, what some of the civilians are doing, some of our retirees, some of our vets, uh, what they're doing to get folks out of country. Yeah, man, I, I, I wasn't following that as close as Josh was. Um, I hate to kick it straight to him, <laughs> but he, he's definitely more informed about the, uh, 
the civilians and, and some of that stuff and how they were hindered. Um, this was, I mean, to, to a point, uh, especially at the beginning, I mean, a lot of people were doing uh, a lot of different things, a lot of private organizations. I know old Glenn Beck, you know, he sunk a lot of money. I don't think he got into Afghanistan, I don't think. But he, he was trying to, and I know that he, he paid a lot of money uh, to make sure that some planes could get there. Yeah, but private citizens were, you know, trying to pull their Dunkirk moment, which is great. Man, that's what happens when, you know, uh, people all come together for a heroic cause when the military and the government just can't hack it because of poor decisions. I mean, a lot of the parallels between this and Dunkirk are, you know, I know it's not even close to exact same situation, but some of the more operational aspects of it uh, were kind of a little bit like Dunkirk. It's kind of amazing. And how, you know, uh, you know, private people were getting together to go get people out of there. And not just Americans either. I mean, they were like, you know, we're going to get our Afghan partners out of there. Which, yeah, I could, I could go on and on about, about that, that in particular. But uh, I'll let Josh kind of expound on, you know, late in the game when people were still trying to get in there, uh, how they were told they couldn't do it and by whom and, and things like that. Maybe not get into too many specifics. I'll just let him talk about, uh, I'll let you, Josh, I will allow you to talk about what you're comfortable talking about with that one. We're, we're letting Josh talk because his voice sounds damn it sexy. Sounds that so new mic. Good. This, it, sounds so it's, good. it sounds great. It's fantastic. <laughs> so, yeah. I, so, Oh yeah, so you know, Glenn Beck has spent a lot of his own money, you know, getting private, uh, you know, private planes in there to, uh, you know, to get folks out, not just American citizens, but like Luke said, our Afghan allies, those, you know, those folks who, uh, you know, who fought. And I'll say this, and I, you know, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna backtrack on on one of the things I think. I think it was episode sixty two. You know, we talked about Afghanistan. It was just like why, you know, the ANA has just folded. You know, I, I, I wasn't completely fair to. You know the army, uh, specifically the Afghan soft, the you know the Kandaks. Um, the you go back and you look at the casualties that uh, the Kandaks have taken. You know over the years, you know that we that we've trained them, they have taken tens of thousands of casualties. Uh, so to say the Afghan, you know, the Afghan army, specifically the Afghan soft, that they just automatically capitulated and uh, and didn't push back against uh, against the Taliban is not completely fair. So I want to make sure that you know we're on the record, you know, for for that. Um, that being said, so there are you know so you have a, a number of uh, rather you know. Big names out there, uh, you know, current and former. Uh, a lot of them are, you know, tied in some way. They have some, you know, connective tissue to the special operations community within uh, within our military. You know, regard, you know, of all services, you know, you have uh, everybody. You're probably pretty familiar with Tim Kennedy, uh, and you know, so the, you know they have this Operation Pineapple thing going on. Um, but I'll tell you. You know, based on on what I know and some of the guys that I work with, that is a very very small part of the overall effort that's going on. You have a number, even and there's even some retired, you know, special forces general officers that are involved in this and that have organized this. They are incredibly organized uh, of getting folks out, and they are, you know, they it, it is plane, trains, and automobiles right now uh, of getting folks out and. You know some of the things that I've you know I've, uh, I've been told uh, is going on. I mean, we're talking about you know landing you know landing little uh, super cubs 
and uh, and stuff, you know, in the desert near the borders, you know, and, you know, them helping folks get there. Some of the Afghan uh, soft that have, you know, gone and, you know, gone to ground, gone into hiding or, you know, trying to organize and get folks out of Afghanistan. And there's a number of Americans, you know, private citizens that that are assisting with that. Again, spending their own, their, you know, utilizing their own resources, their time and their money and, you know, you know, and there's a lot of folks who, you know, you know, don't have a lot of time and don't have a lot of money, but they're still trying. Why? Because it's the right thing to do. You know, it is the, it, it is morally the right thing to do. Uh, where they're being hindered at is through the Department of State and Department of Justice. And I'll specifically call out, uh, there was a meeting you know, with the Department of Justice and some of these private organizations and the Department of Justice threatened them with legal action if they continue. Why? Because they're working to potentially undermine U.S. policy, which, you know, again, you know, we talk about not being black helicopter guys, try not to be, but it's getting harder and harder. And, you know, this kind of goes back to, to Luke's point is we are going to start working with the Taliban. We are going to recognize I'm going to go ahead and go on the record uh, in the next six months. The United States will officially recognize the Taliban as a legitimate government of Afghanistan. I would say I'm going to say it in the next 180 days. Uh, that is that is going to happen, and so what you're what you're running into is even some of the active duty folks and some of you know the you know U.S. folks who work within the United States government. They have been told that any support that they give to you know these folks trying to get up out of Afghanistan, trying to you know help folks resist against the uh, you know Taliban you are going against U.S. policy. Um, and as a government, you know, as a government employee, that's, you know, we all know what that is, a subversion. And so it's, they, they've been threatened by the Department of Justice. The Department of State is working to hinder them. Uh, the Department of State is actively working with the countries surrounding Afghanistan to shut down the border crossings to, uh, to Afghans trying to, uh, you know, cross over. Uh, you know, so we're talking, you know, Pakistan, Tajikistan. Um, we're not necessarily working with Iran uh, to do that, even though I did see a photo today on Twitter of Iranian uh, trucks or trucks going into Iran with uh, U.S. equipment, uh, you know, sitting on top of flatbeds. Uh, so a lot of Humvees and MRAPs headed into Iran that we left, uh, you know, that we left for the Afghan army. Um, and you know, some, you, one of you guys said it before, a lot of that equipment, it wasn't necessarily left for the Taliban. That was equipment that we gave the Afghan national army. And obviously, you know, they could, you know, when they capitulated, that just kind of fell into, you know, to the victor go the spoils of war. Uh, you know, so, and, you know, to, to destroy all that equipment, um, you know, it, before the Taliban could take over it, I don't think that was realistic. Uh, so, you know, I'll give them that. But, you know, there's a number of things that we could have done, especially they have four C-130s, like four C-130s. Uh, they have multiple Blackhawks. Uh, you know, there's video one flying into uh, into the Panjir, uh Valley uh, leading the Taliban convoy. I can only hope that that thing, you know, gets shot down and, uh, and crashes they, and burned with a bunch of Taliban Aren't they like fourth it. for like the, the countries that have the, the greatest number of Blackhawks in the world? <laughs> They're like four yeah, or five yeah. or something so like they, that. Uh, yeah. So I think I saw the number. They have more Blackhawks now than 80% of the countries in the world. Like <sighs> it just, it, like it blows your mind, right? Um, anyway, 
So there are a lot of private organizations doing, but I'm telling you right now, the United States government, specifically the Department of Justice, is threatening these organizations with legal action if they continue to act against, uh, you know, act against the Taliban and act against the, the United States government, which that can only lead us to one conclusion. And that's the one that Luke, you know, Luke has made is that, you know, we are going to be conducting joint operations with the Taliban against ISIS K, which ISIS K, you know, sorry, Tucker. Um, but ISIS K is very real. Uh, it is, and, and they are a legitimate organization and whatever their numbers were before, they just got plussed up a couple thousand based on, you know, the prisons getting emptied and, you know, the ISIS K in Afghanistan, they're not that much different from ISIS and, you know, that, that used to be in Northern Syria and, and Northern Iraq. They're, they're not. Uh, so, you know, to say that they're, they're a myth or whatever, that's just, that's, that's just not grounded in reality at all. Uh, so, you know, it, but the fact that the U.S. government is actually working against these private organizations, trying to get folks, you know, trying to get folks out, trying to get the folks out that the U.S. government and this administration failed and continues to fail to get out is, is mind boggling. And again, it goes back. It's morally reprehensible. I don't understand it. Um, you know, even for this administration, I, I, I don't know that we can get any lower, um, you know, and, and Joe Biden campaign. And the thing with Joe Biden, he campaigned on, you know, Trump's a bully. He has no empathy. Right. That was that that was Joe Biden's entire campaign. It wasn't based. It wasn't on policy. Uh, the only thing Joe Biden really ever talked about policy other than the nonsense of, you know, everybody's going to have free college and, you know, this, that was you know, we have to do, you know, we have to have allies and we have to have allies. The British Parliament for the first time, well, the second time in history, the British Parliament has held an American citizen in contempt. That was Joe Biden and George Washington. Um, you know, where I work, we have a, a, a British uh, military LNO. And he literally, the British military LNO said to me, he was like, we have not been pissed off at you Yanks as much as we have right now since 1812. He was like, I cannot believe you guys, what you're doing. Um, he was a, he, I mean, he was beside himself. You know, he, he, he likes us and, you know, he, he jokes with us, stuff like that. But, he, you know, he understands, you know, administrations change and everything. But he, he, like, he was, it was absolutely befuddled. And there's been multiple world leaders come out and say, like, this is insane. This is absolute insanity. And, you know, and Joe Biden got up there in his speech or, and, you know, after he, after his speech, he took questions uh, and he was like, I don't know of any, you know, I don't know of any allies or world leaders that have questioned what we've done. It was like, you've literally been held in contempt by the British parliament, um, you know, for the first time since George Washington. Like I, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how else, uh, you know, how else you think your allies are going to, you know, voice their displeasure, but I mean, that's, you know, that's significant. And after this, this is going to reverberate for decades. Uh, you know, when it comes to us foreign policy and our ability to, you know, get allies on our side, uh, the British, uh, the equivalent, uh, British secretary of defense came out and said that they are no longer going to, you know, rely solely on the United States for, uh, support that they're going to go look to build other allies and, uh, other coalitions. You know, the Brits have been our closest allies for, you know, I mean, for decades. Um, and to have your closest ally 
come out and say that, say they are no longer going to rely solely on you and they're going to go out and, you know, basically they're going to go find another friend group, uh, you know, to hang out with. That's, you know, that's huge. But it, that was what Biden campaigned on, um, you know, that and, you know, Trump was bad. But you have a man who, you know, campaign, campaigned on the empathy thing. And, you know, you go back and you look at Dover, the, the Dover thing uh, and him checking his watch as caskets uh, of the 13 were being rolled off that C-17 and him looking at his watch. I don't know of anything other than spitting on a coffin. I don't know of a more disrespectful thing you can do. You know, you, I mean, the, you know, the families are there, you know, you're the commander in chief. I, I, I just, I, I mean, I don't, I don't even know how to, how to frame that, how, you know, how just morally bankrupt that was. And, you know, you have this guy just, I mean, it, it's just, I, I don't know. It, it, it's mind boggling. Um, and there's people still out there. There's people to, you know, that, that, def- that are defending that there are people, you know, on social media that are defending that. And I just, I, I don't understand it. You know, those are those, those service members, you know, they stood at that gate, you know, they knew that, you know, they knew the risk, they understood it. And yet they did it anyway for, you know, for something bigger than them. And for you to check your watch while, you know, while there's families are standing there grieving, and, and, you know, and those flag draped coffins are coming out and we've all been at ramp ceremonies and we've all been at military funerals and just to, to, to have that level of disrespect, I, I, I don't get it. I don't, it just, it, it truly is mind boggling. Um, so I'm going to stop, uh, I'm going to stop talking. I've talked way too much, so I'm going to stop talking and, uh, I'm gonna let one of you other guys talk. Well, you know, and the thing is that they're even lying about that because now the story is, well, you know, he's got rosary beads or whatever. First, I've heard of that in his 48 years of government, right? The excuse, it's one of those things. It's like, it's like dealing with kids. You know when your kids are lying as soon as they open their mouth. And if that was the truth, and I don't know what he was looking at. I assume it's his watch. But if he really did have like rosary beads or, uh, you know, Bo Biden, you know, because he, no matter who died, he always brings up his son who did not die in combat, uh, you know, obviously died of brain cancer, but... If you have something like that, there's a very quick response that comes out from the White House, right? Hey, you're catching flack. Uh, it looks like you're looking at your watch. It's a very e- quick response, especially with something like that where there's an emotional appeal. Uh, you know what? He, um, he he carries rosary beads with him uh, every time he goes to one of these, you know, mainly because of his son or whatever. That's what he was looking at. That's something that comes out within 20 or 30 minutes. Uh, and I'm not even sure if the White House even came out and made an official statement or if that's just you know, uh, the story that's going around. But again, you know, completely disrespectful. And you're starting to hear, um, you're starting to hear other stories of, uh, as he met the families of the 13. And I get it. There, there's an emotional piece there that, that you'll never be able uh, to come to, you know, come to terms with, no matter how they die. Uh, there, there's emotional piece there. So I, I do give some leeway in that, but it kind of takes me to my, you know, a little bit, of, uh, take a step back. I want to talk about two things. Uh, and I'll, Luke, I'll do my, you know, throw it out there and then talk for about five minutes and let you answer it. But one, I, I definitely want to look at the, the long-term ramifications of Afghanistan. So beyond the, the, the tactical uh, operation, uh, when you move to Biden's approval rating down to about 41% now, uh, how does this impact the midterms uh, and how do you see it? Uh, you know, I don't, I don't even know if this, 
you know, I guess you could say this is why Kamala has separated herself from it because Biden has no plan to run a second term. So Kamala steps back, says, hey, I had nothing to do with that. I wasn't, which she could, she could play that card. Hey, he was the president. I advised against it. Uh, he's the president. He makes a decision. They go forward. So do you see this impact the, the midterm elections? And then how do you see it play forward with the next presidential election? But one thing I do want to be, I, I do want to talk to our, our listeners about and you have to be careful not to jump to conclusions because we've all seen things like the dogs, right? We all saw things like the dogs. Um, we saw the black hot helicopter with a body that was hanging from the rope or, or whatever. And, and now you're starting to hear more and more stories coming out because at first it was military working dogs. Well, no, they weren't military working dogs. Now with the, and again, I don't know what's right, what's true, what's not. My point is even thus us on the right, we always talk about the left and, and even us on the right, uh, we have to be just as careful because we sit there and we jump to conclusions because right now it's it's, it's very emotional. It's a very emotionally heated time. Uh, so every little piece that comes out, we jump on it. And I tell you, this is the one time where I, like, I miss Twitter. This is the only time I miss Twitter because there are some fantastic journalists out there uh, that aren't mainstream. They don't get the TV time. They don't get the front page of the Wall Street Journal, the USA Today, and they're doing some very, very good on-the-ground reporting. And really, the only way you see any of that is through Twitter. Uh, they don't really post on Facebook, and, and just the way that the platform is set up, it's not really meant for that, that type of media. So, so there's some really good news that's coming out there, uh, and it's very easy to get wrapped up and hit that retweet button, hit that share button. And, and I would say it's like, hey, you know, we've talked about this several episodes, even early on. It's like you got to get some of this stuff corroborated. You got to validate some of this information because some of the photos you find are stock photos. Like a lot of the ones that they've been shown of the 13, it's, it's a stock photo that they use until all the names have been released uh, that you know, the Pentagon or DOD uses. Uh, the one photo they show the lady taking a knee, yeah, that was from several years ago. Uh, so there's a lot of this stuff where we get emotionally charged about it and we immediately jump to conclusions and you really do have to ask because I would tell you this, the right has a narrative too, right? Uh, the right is also looking at the elections. The right's looking at campaign fodder. Uh, believe me, there's enough here that this stuff, we haven't seen the last of this. It's going to come back over and over and over and over again. So I would just say for our viewers out there and our listeners, depending on whatever platform you're on, uh, take that step back. There, there's usually more to the story uh, and really start to dig into it a little bit, corroborate it, validate it, because you definitely don't want to be part of uh, those that continue to spread, you know, false information or, or whatever, which by the way, I've been, I, I, that's the one thing on Facebook. I'm like, heck, you know, Josh, by the way, is blocked again for like another month. Um, so one of the things I do now, even like the government stuff, they put it out and I go up to report false information. If I, you know, find anything, uh, inconsistent with it, but back to my original question to you, Luke is, uh, and I guess this is, you know, we can do this with our last go around here. What are the long-term impact impacts of the failure in our Afghanistan withdrawal. When you look at your midterms, uh, because I tell you this, outside of a handful of GOP, like the GOP should be all over this. They truly should be. Uh, but there's only like a handful that you hear from. Uh, the Democrats, man, they psh, they want nothing. To, now, part of this is because they were on recess. Uh, I would have thought that, you know, I guess the eviction moratorium expiring is not a good enough. You know, the Dems play the, whoa, you guys are letting this expire. It's like, well, you didn't even call Congress back in session because uh, you're back on vacation or whatever. But what do you think the near-term and long-term impacts of, of the failed Afghanistan withdrawal are going to be politically for the Democrats and the Republicans? 
That's a good question. And Josh always kicks these questions to me like, like they're very difficult to unpack. Um, I, I don't know. Uh, I guess it'll impact the midterms maybe, but I think uh, with or without this, the midterms were still going to be uh, bad for the Democrats. Uh, it'll still be fresh on everyone's memory obviously in the, in the midterm. So that, that's a slam dunk. Now, in, in my opinion, the midterms are a slam dunk. I think the Democrats are going to get hurt real bad. Um, long-term as far as, yeah, yeah, I think you mentioned it, you know, uh, I don't think he's going to run. Um, and, and I don't think he's going to run for reelection. Uh, Kamala is like you guys have said, is conspicuously absent or in the wrong place. Um, yeah, I, 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 I don't know. I just I my, I my ability to underestimate the American people is just it's it's done. I mean, I don't know how long people will remember this. This the, you know, a lot of people are right. This isn't like Saigon because and I'll tell you why, because we still think of Saigon as a massive failure. It remains to be seen whether this will be seen as a massive failure. I just don't know uh, if the American people have the ability to remember now these days, especially with the media running interference uh, for this 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 disaster, I, I would like to think that it will impact the uh, the elections in twenty twenty four. It remains to be seen. Uh, long long term implications, uh, man. I mean, Josh covered it with the Brits. I mean, this is not a good sign. Like I said, it's not a good omen. And when I say it's not a good omen, I mean the way it just it it's. Sorry about my dogs, everybody. It's reminiscent of you know the Soviet Union or the Soviet Union most recently, uh, the Brits, uh, Alexander the Great, and even Genghis Khan, who, who didn't have a lot of success. It, it kind of signaled, well, with the exception of Genghis Khan, it kind of signaled the end of those empires' glory days, if you will, if you could call the Soviet Union an empire. Um, long term, I don't see this as a good sign. We got a long way to go uh, to bring it back to where we were in the eighties. Uh, definitely. I just, it's a, it's a, it's a slow slouch is how I see it. And I'm trying to be positive. I'm hoping we can turn it around, but you know, Josh is always saying it's going to take a significant emotional event. I'll put it to you this way. This was an emotional event for a lot of us, but it's not significant enough. So long-term, I mean, I hate to say it. I, I think that we're on a downward trajectory and China's on an upward trajectory. I just don't see it as a good omen. I'm not saying it's doom and gloom. Who knows? We could turn it all around. But the significant emotional event, this wasn't it. It should be. It definitely should be. But we as Americans as a whole don't have that kind of pride as a whole for this to be that significant emotional event to turn it all around. Because everyone's still going home to their air conditioning. Everyone's still got food in the fridge. They're paying a little bit more for food at the grocery store and out to eat. The service is a little slower, but we haven't reached that breaking point yet. Um, I know that's not a great answer to what you said, Roger. I, I will, for a moment, talk about Bo Biden. It, it makes me ill. Um, I've told my parents and my family, I've been very clear, keep my name out of your mouth. In front, if I am killed because of operations, I've always said this, or if I'm killed in the line of duty, no matter what it is, if a microphone is in your face, keep my name out of your mouth. Because at that point, you're no better than Code Pink in my book. You're no better than, you know, it's, it's to me, it's like stolen valor. It, it is. 
it's it's just awful. And the way Joe Biden parades that around, it just it's sickening to me. I just it it and he didn't by the way, he didn't Bo Biden, I disagree with Josh a little bit. I'm not gonna he's not gonna say that in public. But Bo Biden died of cancer. I'm sure he was a good guy. He did not die in combat. Supposedly he served a year in Iraq, but he didn't die in combat. You lost his son, Joe Biden. You know, don't don't bring it up in this context of you know, what, what's currently going on and don't use it to try to relate to veteran families. Just don't do that, especially gold star families. That's kind of what I got to say on that. You know, Roger, wish I could have given you a better answer. Just like I wish I could give Josh a better answer. He's like, Luke, what's going to happen in a thousand years? You know, I, an answer in five minutes or less, <laughs> I, you know, uh, I hope I'm wrong that we're, you know, it's going to be a hard hole to crawl out of, but Josh, maybe you can be a little bit more articulate than I was just now. No man, I'm I'm the dumbest person in this group. So me being more articulate than either. But you, you sound the best. Happen. You sound the best. I hope so. Uh, after uh, after my drunk purchases on uh, on, on Amazon. <laughs> so um, you know, so we talk about you know this this reverberating for decades. I think you know one of the things that we haven't mentioned yet is you know. Within days of you know this calamity really starting and gaining traction, and, and being in the news about what was going on in Kabul, you know China came out and issued you know a st- basically they made a statement and you know they said it to Taiwan. They didn't necessarily they didn't say it to the United States. They didn't say it to anybody else. They said it to Taiwan and they said, "See, the Americans are going to abandon you. The Americans aren't going to stand up for you." And so, you know, when you go back and you, you know, you take a look, China, China is going to take Taiwan at some point, you know, because even Xi Jinping said not in, in, in that same, uh, in that same statement, Xi Jinping said, he didn't say if war comes to Taiwan, you know, if there's military action in Taiwan, he said, when there's military action in Taiwan, the U.S. will not be there for you. Just it's like a civil war, right? For their we Afghan. don't get involved in civil wars. Yeah. Exactly. And so, you know, I mean, that, you know, it, it, we've talked about it a couple of, you know, in, in some of the episodes, you know, especially, you know, the Rising Dragon, I forget which episode number it was, but we talked about, you know, China and Taiwan. But now when, when you, you, you know, you put, now you frame it within, you know, what we, what's happening in Afghanistan, you know, and then you turn around and, you know, even China was like, Take a look at the Kurds. Multiple times with the Kurds. Multiple times with the Kurds. Where were we at during the Green Revolution in Iran? Where were we at in Hong Kong? And, you know, Roger brought, I think it was Roger, you know, brought it up earlier. Where were we at in Cuba? I love my country. I hate my government. We we continue to fail the the United States government, especially this administration, the Department of State, the CIA. They they continue to fail at these things that they're they're chartered to do. This is their charter. This is the entire reason they exist. The Cuban, you know, the Cuban uprising, it lasted for, like, it was like 48, 72 hours. We stood by and did nothing. 
we hadn't planned for every contingency, you know, as Biden said we did in Afghanistan. We sat there and we watched we watched these Cubans who wanted nothing more than to be free to make their own mistakes be killed in the streets. The people of Hong Kong, we watched the Chinese roll into Hong Kong and that that was out of the news cycle within a week. Cuba was even faster. Iran, we had a we have we had such opportunities, you know, to promote freedom around the world, to really give people some freedom, you know, and it wasn't the, you know, it, it, it wasn't the Iraq you know, ill, ill-advised invasion of Iraq where, you know, hey, we're going to free the shit out of you. Um, you know, like these were people who were truly, truly yearning to be free. And and we stood by and we did nothing. And, and that's why I go back and people are going to be like, Josh is a zealot. He's a far-right zealot. I'm telling you, God, God is going to punish the United States. You are going to see, we are going to go through some very hard times here probably very soon. And and I I truly believe a lot of it is, is going to be because we as we as a country, um, you know, our, our domestic problems, uh, aside, we've, uh, we, we have come, come up short of our, our moral obligations, uh, you know, around the world. I just, it's just, uh, it's just my 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 take on it, um, and with that, I'm gonna I, I'm done. I got nothing else to say for this episode. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw it over to uh, to the Lukester. Roger, give me a thumbs up or thumbs down. Did you want to say anything else? Close this, close out. Uh, just, just yeah, just two things real quick. Uh, one, you know, my we always hear it, but uh, there is not enough sympathy enough sympathy for the, the the families of those 13 fallen service members. When uh, I was driving up to Lake Havasu with my wife, when when we were listening to it on Fox News, and a lot of emotions come back, especially being deployed, and my wife sitting there, you know, you see her getting all teary eyes, like, "Hey, I know what it's like to be on the other end." Uh, you know, not at that point, you know, obviously, you know, I came back healthy and and all that good stuff, but not knowing, right? And this was before names were released, and you know, you're in that area, and especially that's got to be ten times worse because you know your husband, your wife, girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever neighbor is is in a, is such a small, finite area. Uh, it's not like hey, a service member just dies in Afghanistan, and your husband's deployed over there. It's like wow, you know, he's one, he or she is one of you know, fifteen hundred at the time or whatever that that's at that airport. Uh, and oh, by the way, there's only so many people that are there at those gates uh, at a time. So maybe one of a hundred, one of fifty uh, at the time. So I mean, there's just not enough sympathy and go out for the uh, for the family of, the, of those thirteen fallen. And, and I hope we do a, a better job of of not forgetting those folks. Um, I did want to end it on a positive note before I kick it to you and my and my daughter. Uh, you know, I always joke. I always joke about it. You know, I say hey, she's only about sixty five episodes behind. Uh, you know, she's listening to one, but I think she's actually listened to the last couple. But um, totally different note and, and totally, uh, you know, bragging a little bit here. But she got accepted into uh, physician's assistant, oh, uh, which I think is actually physician associate. Now they're going through a name change or whatever. Nice. But she, she got into PA school. Great. So uh, it looks like she's going to be heading out to Savannah. Well, the, 
that's actually not the good news. The good news is I'm actually going to have a formal recording studio once she moves out. So nice. I was asking my wife, uh, you know, <laughs> she moves out in January. Uh, so I was like, hey, so when can I actually start, you know, moving in or whatever? And she kind of gives me this, well, in January once I've left. But no, I just want, you know, congratulate her. She's worked her ass off. Um, you know, you, you hear about white privilege and CRT and this and that. She has worked her ass off uh, for 19 years, 20, 21, 22 years of her life uh, to get to where she's at now. Uh, and, and we gave her nothing. Uh, she has worked for, you know, she was the Whitney College full time, was part of two clubs, uh, also had three part time jobs while she was doing all that. Nothing was given to her. Uh, so I couldn't be prouder of her. So with that, I'll, uh, I'll kick That's it over awesome. to close out. That's awesome. Yeah, congratulations to her. Definitely, man. That's a big deal. Um, and for you, too. Congratulations to you. Um, you know, it's nice being back in the States. I'm about to close this out. It's nice being back in the States, especially in a uh, in the area I'm in, in Texas. Uh, I've been driving around town a lot, uh, re-familiarizing myself with everything. And I, I stopped. I, I've noticed it. I've seen a few posts on you know social media about local places in town. I'm sure this is going on all over the place. But a lot of the local businesses, and my wife uh, has forgotten that we're recording. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to pay for that one. But uh, <laughs> a lot of the local businesses have, have set up tables, even fast food places, uh, and they have 13 drinks around, uh, you know, and there's a little sign, the dedication to the uh, thir- 13 fallen service members. And I, I think that's just, that's cool. And that, that's, that's great to be back in the States. So we're going to close out a little bit different. We want to make sure we uh, properly honor and remember the 13 service members who sacrificed their lives. So, of course, always keep your canteen cups secured. But before you do that, why don't you raise one up and very respectively give a pour out for these, uh, these service members I'm about to name. Marine Corps Staff Sergeant Darren T. Hoover. Marine Corps Staff Sergeant... Johanny Rosario Picardo, Marine Corps Sergeant Nicole L. G., Marine Corps Corporal Hunter Lopez, Marine Corps Corporal Deegan W. Page, Marine Corps Corporal Humberto A. Sanchez, Marine Corps Lance Corporal David L. Espinoza, Marine Corps Lance Corporal Jared M. Schmitz, Marine Corps Lance Corporal Riley J. McCollum, Marine Corps Lance Corporal Dylan R. Marola. Marine Corps Lance Corporal Kareem M. Nikoi. Navy Corpsman Max W. Soviak. Army Staff Sergeant Ryan C. Knauss.